Caitlin Skull leads a jailbreak. Morgan Elsbeth seeks a critical star map. Master and Apprentice reunite and more as the Skyers are back for the premiere of Ahsoka. We are back here on the Sky Guys podcast. Ahsoka premiere coverage here. Two episodes in the books here. Very excited to talk about it. One of your hosts, Mike Phillips. Join me today. The man's voice narration every single week. Pete Constantine is here. Pete, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Fantastic show we're about to talk about. Uh, two episodes out. The premiere of Ahsoka. Very, very excited um, to talk about it. As always, when I mention the uh, person who created my background, uh, AP Tyler 308 from Reddit. Uh, thanks so much for making this free background that we can utilize here and uh, make sure you go check out that user's stuff all across Reddit. As a leader. Also with us here today, uh, the administrator of the shipyard on Corellia, Nick Freyetta, is here. Nick, how are you? Please don't give me him as the title. <laughs> I'm not happy with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very excited. We are here. We're finally back, ready. For, I mean, not back. We've been here, but ready to talk about the show. We've been waiting for so long to talk about. And it's finally here. It's our first a fresh Star Wars content we cover on the podcast as, in terms of show form since what, Visions? Uh, yeah, I was going to say Mando, but yeah, Visions came out to that. So yeah, Visions. Yeah, it's pretty crazy what you that long here. And Pete, people want to subscribe to the Sky Guys and do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all usual suspects. Simply search for the Sky Guys, your favorite podcast platform, find episodes there. And those of you that just on the Suffering Podcast, friends, first of all, hello. Welcome to the season here. And if you want to be with us right from the jump, not to wait a couple of days, subscribe. Yeah, definitely subscribe. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen Rebels or Clone Wars before, maybe go and listen to that first before you hit us up with Ahsoka because there's a lot of stuff we're going to get into that may kind of go over your head. So definitely subscribe. Absolutely here. And Nick, if you want to follow us on social media, how can I do that? You can follow at Sky Guys Podcast. It's on, let's see, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Threads, we're on TikTok. Yes, that's it. That's it. So on all those places you want to find us out here, you get some of the fun snippets from the show are on there. Go check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube, the video version of the podcast here. I put out some shorts sometimes if I have like click little clips in the episode, plus our, our props and graphics here, including the star of the show, Lego Ahsoka is here. Hello. She says hello, and Pete, I'll also throw this in here that, again, we're recording this podcast during the 2023 WGA and SAG After Strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, we would not have an Ahsoka here, so we'll give our, give our support to them again, Pete. Say that again, Mike. I'm sorry, you went in and out. Yeah, let's talk about the, how we are giving support to the writers and actors who are currently on strike, because without them, we don't have an Ahsoka show to talk about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, like you said, we're still, we're still in that strike, so uh, we're hoping that something can can come and an agreement can come soon so that uh, everyone is is treated fairly and we can get more great content yeah, yeah i'm at about 10 days now I, my prediction was labor day yeah you're close it's coming, it's coming in close yeah you might you might get the writers by then they're talking at least the writers i feel like that we'll see if that happens in terms of that front but I, to be fair when, I, when we originally made that prediction it was just a writer strike so yeah well i think they would get my, like we said it last week i think the goal i think the goal was to get the writers done first they can start writing and then they can negotiate the actors while the writers get back to work yeah well well let's see good luck to everybody involved yep good luck to everybody involved Hope they get the deal they want here and nick we have some star wars news to cover here some big one including one involving this very show yeah so the first is i'm sure everyone noticed who's listening but um or maybe you didn't notice and you just went on there a day late but 
they pushed up the release time of Ahsoka, not just the premiere, the whole show. And I'm not sure if it's going to carry over to the future or just this show, but they, they, they pushed up the time slot six hours. So uh, if you guys didn't know, the Sky Guys are an East Coast podcast. So it used to be three o'clock in the morning for us, which was less than ideal because we were not staying up for that. And then we either had to get up early before work and watch it or wait till after work. And then next thing you know, it's spoiled on the internet. It was the worst possible time. Now it's 9 p.m. the night before. And um, me and Mike, at least, Pete was not able to join us, but we did a group watch. And uh, that was a lot of fun. I'd never done a group watch before on, on any app, so it was a lot of fun to do that. And everyone was at the same part at the same time. And I am so happy about this change. You can't, I can't like describe it in words. Yeah. So, Pete, how exciting is it for us to, to actually have, you know, like Nick's asking this for years, like put this stuff, like not at midnight West Coast, not at 3 a.m. East Coast, put it in prime time so we all can watch it together. As it always, not like have it drop in the middle of the night. Like, how happy about, well, you about this? Yeah, no, I'm I'm super happy. I think it's it makes sense, and I think this is a great strategic play by Disney. I mean, they've been suffering numbers wise when it comes to their movies that they've been putting out, and also with their shows. Um, and I think having something to look forward to to say, hey, everyone, let's all gather around the TV at nine o'clock to watch the new Ahsoka, kind of gives you something to to look forward to. And when something drops at three a.m. in the morning, it's like, oh, it's already out. I'll get to it when I can on a Wednesday, whether it's during a lunch break at work or you know at dinner that night. But if you say to everyone, hey, it premieres Tuesday nights at nine. I would say most of the Star Wars population watching this show is available or can be available for it. And they, and they make themselves available and kind of like I did and you guys did have like a little watch party with your friends. Um, so it's it's definitely a smart move strategically for ratings, but also great for us because we can get a jump on it and not get any spoilers. Yeah, I love the years. So and Nick, what else we got in the news? Um, Mandalorian season one and two is going to be released physically. Yeah, that's yeah, I guess just I'm, I'm gonna mention Blu-ray, right? We're still on Blu-ray. Yeah, we're on Blu-ray. That's the thing right now. We've been on Blu-ray a while. We've been on Blu-ray almost twenty years. They also have four K Blu-ray now, also. So yeah, I guess it, it, it's it, it should have changed the name. They should have named it something else yeah. because you went from VHS to DVD to Blu-ray to four K Blu-ray. Should have changed the name because it seems to me like we've been here for 16, 17 years. It really hasn't. Yeah. Yeah, but but well, yeah, we're getting a physical release of Mandalorian season one and two. Good for them. And I believe some some Marvel shows as well. Yeah, WandaVision and Loki season one. That's what else is coming. And do you do you guys really think that's a smart idea? I mean, I feel like if people are paying for Disney Plus anyway, they're going to be watching the show. I don't people that are interested in Star Wars that are interested in Mandalorian. I don't think they're not subscribed to Disney Plus. So do you think people are going to go out there and spend the extra money to own a physical copy of it? I think that there's some people out there who are just going to get it for collection purposes. But also, I think that. There's some people out there who may be in a different generation, maybe older than us, or out of touch, if you will, and they'll see it and say, oh, I heard of that. I don't want to pay for a subscription. Maybe I want to try it out. I don't know. And then just watching it, like watch a season and then say, I'm interested. I want to be in, I don't know, be invested if possible. Yeah, sure. I'd say two things here. One, bonus features. You know, they can put a bunch of bonus features on those sets that give, give people a sense to buy them. And two, like, as we've seen with the whole Max fiasco and like stuff disappearing off of streaming servers at some point, maybe some people are paranoid and say, hey, like, let me make sure I have my Mandalorian in case like this whole thing goes belly up on me. I lose the show. That's fair. No, I, the, the great points by both of you. I just, to me, it's, it's, I don't know. I could see it flopping too. I could see them trying to do it and they don't sell and now they don't ever do it again, you know? Yeah, well, we'll see if they sell here. Nick, one, le- one more piece of news, correct? So I actually have two. Yeah. We have one listed here. I have another one. But uh, uh, the Rebel Moon trailer came out. That was a movie we talked about a couple 
weeks ago on the podcast, basically was a Star Wars movie, got turned into something else, similar to Star Wars, not Star Wars. I'll be honest. I didn't watch the trailer. Yeah. Pete, you checked this trailer out yet? No, honestly, no. Not because of lack of interest, but because I've been so damn busy. Uh, For me, I, I wasn't, I'm not busy. I am interested. I completely forgot. Yeah, I would say like, but I was not busy. I could have, I could have watched it six thousand times with how much free time I had in the last two days, but I did not watch it. I did watch it. I did the homework for everybody here. It looks very cool, good, and like I will say also, Zack Snyder has basically lightsabers in this in this thing without actually having lightsabers. Even further confidence is he has Star Wars in the brain. He's writing this thing. Sounds cool. I mean, I'm going to watch the trailer probably tonight, and and we'll uh, we're going to cover this on this movie on the podcast when it does release. I think it's a Netflix release, right? Yeah, it's December twentieth. I think is the, the release of this one. So right around the holidays, we'll have, we'll, we'll talk about Railroad. Yeah, that'll be exciting. And the last piece of news I have that we we did not touch on was the old video game Star Wars: Dark Forces, a first person shooter game that came out in the '90s. It was part of the Jedi Knight series that spawned a bunch of games. It is getting a remake, a full-fledged remake. Is it, we actually have to get done on like the Coda remake? I, I, all I know about it is that it's coming out. Oh, let me let me rephrase. It is a remaster. They're remastering the game in 4K, and it's going to come out for the Xbox and the Switch and the PlayStation and the and the PC and. Yeah, so basically, it's going to be a nice, a nice remake of the game. It's very similar to um, I never played the game, but what I've what I've read, it's very similar to Doom. If you played Doom, okay, not bad. So that that is it for the news. All right, that's it for the news here. Let's get to this episode here. So obviously, we got two episodes of Ahsoka. We got Master Apprentice at Part One, Toil and Trouble Part Two here. So general thoughts here, Pete. I'll go to you first. What do you what was your take on these premiere? Uh, fantastic. Um, I think this is, and we'll talk about it more in depth. I think this is probably Filoni's best live action work uh, for what he's worked on. Um, and I think for people who have not seen Rebels, they do a very good job at world building so that you don't feel completely lost. There's a lot of Easter eggs that us three and other Rebels and Clone Wars fans will get immediately. Um, but for those that are just kind of jumping in that haven't gone through all those seasons, they at least set up the story nicely in these first two episodes to to hopefully give us another six great episodes like these two. Yeah, Nick, what'd you think? I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I felt I don't know, I, I felt like center stage again. Like I think I've said this before, where even though I wasn't the biggest fan of the show, when Boba Fett was on, I feel like Star Wars was big and everyone was watching Boba Fett. And it was like, oh my God, the new episodes that we had to watch it. And then like, what I feel like, even though I loved Andor and Kenobi was, it existed, um, they, they were not the same way. It was like, did you watch the episode? No, I'll watch it tomorrow or whatever. Like, I feel like Boba Fett, everyone was there, everyone watched. Same with us. We had that watch party with a friend of the podcast, uh, Moni. And it was like, you know, we were all there excited to watch and like it was like we're like here it is here it is we're counting down all day and and it, it lived up it lived up yeah i'll say also i do agree with pete i did like that they didn't spoon feed you the uh story here they just threw you in and said hey you can figure it out you will help you along the way but we're not gonna like spell out everything for you we will throw you into the story and you will pick it up and I feel like most most part people did and i also love the fact that like we got some like nice flourishes here i mean like how nice is it to actually get a crawl in a non-Skywalker Saga episode Star Wars project? That, that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, I like the... We've seen the crawl elsewhere. Where did we see it? Were they? It was similar to this one, where it wasn't a real crawl. It was just text, and then it went right to an number. This is the beginning of... Did they do it with Obi-Wan? I don't think they did. I can't, I can't remember now, and I feel like an idiot, but they did it somewhere where there was like a, a similar crawl to this, where it wasn't like a, you know, no John Williams theme playing with the crawl going up and down, but it was just text on the screen, you read it, and then it starts. Oh, it was it was solo. Yeah. It was solo at the beginning of the movie. It was like they had words for you, but it wasn't really necessarily a crawl, which I appreciate because it, it differentiates like the main Skywalker saga movies from. I don't want to call it side content, but I guess more so than the movies are. Yeah, side content. Well, I mean, it is said they're bringing the crawl back for future projects and future movies. It's going to be in every movie, basically, going forward. Yeah, well, you know how I feel about those movies. I don't think they're happening still, even though they announced them. But All right, so let's get into this episode here. So we start out here with this big breaking we see in the trailer with Balin Skull and his apprentice, Shin Hati, com coming aboard the Republic ship to break Mork and Elspeth out of prison, and we see they come in with the old Republic, sh with old, old Jedi codes, and the Republic basically lets them on and say, ah, you know, we'll get, we'll arrest some more Imperial interlopers, and they're like, who are you guys pretending to be Jedi? And then we see the badass fight, we have a hallway sequence of Balin, and the iconic, like, spin on the Ahsoka line, we are no Jedi, is a lot of fun here, so, Nick, your take on this uh, break-in uh, fight to start the show. Fantastic. I feel like a great show or rather a great villain is always started off with a good like opening scene being a badass. See it with the Joker and the Dark Knight, you see it with Thanos and in, in um Infinity War, you see it you see it a lot. You see it with Vader and a New Hope. A good villain, you see it with Kylo Ren, The Force Awakens, like a good opening scene to establish a villain is a good badass scene like that and it's like, "Oh, wow, this guy's cool or this girl's cool or these guys are cool," you know? And I feel like that definitely happened in this scene. Pete, what do you think about this sequence here? I I, I thought it was great, and uh, just to in, to to give a little knowledge to the viewers, uh, Morgan Elsbeth, who they're trying to break out, was actually taken to custody by Ahsoka in her very first live action appearance in Mandalorian season two. Um, so that's a nice little tie into, and it also gives you a little bit of a timeline if you're confused as to when this is happening. You know it's around the time of Mando Season 2, maybe in between Season 2 and Season 3. I know we discussed this offline a little bit, too, um, outside the podcast. But um, I think this is, like, I mean, like Nick said, he's, he hit the nail on the head. Any great movie or or show that, at least in the Star Wars realm, that starts with that, is, is it, you just know it's going to be good moving forward. Um, so I think it was a great job, and I think the the technical aspects and, and also just the choreography was fantastic. Yeah, and... Pete, I also feel like this episode had like had a bunch of Phantom Menace vibes at the first premiere. Like this one especially when when Balin and, and uh Shin show up on the ship feels a lot like when uh Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon show up on the Trade Federation ship. Oh, there's a there's a ton. And we'll we'll get to like the one with that, that little monitor droid that's pretty much a one for one shot uh with the Padawan. Um but yeah. Yeah, Nick, you want to add something there? No, I want to add something when we get there. All right, so Let's go ahead. Now we get now we get back to Ahsoka here. We see her show up on this planet. We find out later on its name. I'll look it up here in a second here. The planet is called uh, Arcana, where she is going to retrieve a star map, gets in a fight with a bunch of droids. Like, most down to droids get picked up by Hu Yang and receives the call from Hera to go visit the wreckage of this battle because Morgan's Elvis escaped. So anything you want to add on the, on the uh, battle here, Pete? Uh, the Ahsoka stuff. 
I, I mean, it's all cool scenes. I think it was great um, choreography. I mean, I mean, again, it's it's. I, I hate to be a broken record, but the choreography is great, and then and also just the the effects of it too. I mean, it's all it's all really really awesome. I did love the move, Nick, where like when this she's surrounded by the five droids, she just drops down back into the floor of a temple after she solves it pu- the puzzle style, though she did like in sort of the Cal Kestis fashion. Then Jinza just like cutting the, the floor underneath the three droids, drops them down to get the numbers in her favor. It's like very smart tactics. Definitely very smart, but I have to say it, it it didn't tell me it didn't seem like you're watching the Looney Tunes. <laughs> when there's a little hole and they're falling through. That's what it seemed like. And another thing to add about this temple, I guess, right? Yeah. Is it a temple? It's a temple. Is uh I learned this after the fact is that that temple was built by the Night Sisters, and I think that's clear foreshadowing to something we're gonna learn in about ten minutes worth of time on the show. So that temple was built by the Night Sisters. Yep, we'll find that out for sure. And then we see that she goes to meet Hera aboard the Republic ship here. They find out, like, the information that Mormail is about this escaped. And then they sort of send us to Lethal here. So, Nick, first time seeing Lethal in live action. Uh, I kept texting you. I was like, this looks amazing. Yeah. It looks so good. I loved Lethal. Yeah, Lethal. It was awesome. Yeah, Pete, like, how did you feel about Lethal? Because I thought it was beautiful. I mean, I was talking to a buddy of mine at work, and we both said it's like finally not Tatooine, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, Lethal looked beautiful. I think they did a fantastic job. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think one of the very, very first shots of Lethal is just that spire that Ezra used to live in, correct? Yeah, and Sabine um, lives there now. Right. So I mean, it, it's it's perfect. The perfect way to capture that environment, and a perfect way to depict it in live action. Yeah, it's a great job here, and. Uh... Nick, they also gave us a few Easter eggs here in terms of appearances from characters who not we should have taken the character draft. We didn't think of it at the time, but they are having a basically the like a liberation day ceremony where uh Ryder Rizzotti, the governor of Lethal, who is played by Clancy Brown, like he was as he was in the animation show, is here get, kicking off the ceremony and he's doing it in front of the mural. Sabine's not there, gets out in a minute, but he does pass the torch for speaking to Jai Kel, who was one of Ka- of Ezra's friends who helped in the effort, and now he's the senator for the planet. Yeah, just really cool Easter egg seeing both of them, especially um, getting the actor back is huge. Like, that's that's awesome. But um, cool to see. Uh, one of those things that people have told me the last couple of weeks, like, I don't the last couple of days, should I watch the show? I didn't watch Rebels. Like, I don't I hate that you can't just watch a show nowadays. You have to do homework. And, like, this is proof that you don't. Like, yeah, this is the only thing you missed if you didn't see Rebels. You don't know who these two characters are who mean nothing to the episode except being there. Like, it doesn't matter if you know who they are, but you can definitely watch this show if you didn't watch Rebels. Like, would you agree that's, like, the only thing in the show that you, that, and there's other Easter eggs, of course, that you wouldn't have picked up on, but there's nothing that you needed to know from those shows that you, that you, like, you know what I'm saying? There's nothing that you, like, some of those shows that you need to know that you're, you're not going to be able to follow up with the story. Yeah, P, I feel like everything you need to know, they told you in one way or another. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why they needed that crawl in the beginning. Um, and I also think, like we spoke about in the beginning of the podcast, I think everything is pretty much set up there, and they and they do a pretty damn good job at getting you up to speed while events are happening in the first two episodes. Yeah, And can I ask you guys this, just from the opening scene and even this part with the, with the senator and whatnot, to me... This is my opinion, and I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. This is the most Star Warsy Star Wars has been in so long. Like this feels like Star Wars, and I feel like some of the other shows 
even though I loved Andor, I loved Mandalorian. It's, it seems less Star Wars than this does. I think early Mando is, more, is like probably the closest I feel to it. I don't know if I agree with that, Mike. I think early Mando is more like a Western with Star Wars in it. Um, you know, it's it, a Western. It, so, I mean, I, I I agree. It's still Star Wars with Mandalorian, but I, I agree with Nick. I think this is the, the most Star Wars and the most on-point representation of what Star Wars is when it comes to our live-action shows to date. Yeah. Um, and I think the quality of this live-action show is the best that I've seen. And we can talk about it later on when we do an overview of everything. But um, this, I, I agree with Nick 100%. Yeah, so let's catch up with Sabine here because Sabine does not go to the ceremony where she was supposed to give a speech about the uh, freedom, huh. about the freeing of the fall, and she was out there in front of her mural doing the ceremony. We saw she's basically like joyriding on a speeder bike. She pulls off some fancy moves to avoid like the uh, X-wing set to pick her up. And Nick, what do you think about how we caught up with Sabine here? I think it's a great introduction to the character. So for us, three of us, we watch it and go, "That's classic Sabine, right?" But for people who don't know who Sabine is, I think you learn who she is in 20 seconds. You go, okay, get it. She's rebellious. She's kind of badass. She's really cool. Yeah. You learn about it. Like, that. It's, you know, that's it, that's it. You learn about her right away. And for us, it's just a reminder. Yeah, and Pete, it makes sense you would duck this ceremony here because Liberation Day is the same day that, like, her one of her best friends, Ezra, disappears and has not been seen in about a decade. So it makes sense why she wants no part of, like, actually celebrating this day. Yeah, and I and I think also too, just on top of that, just like Nick said, it's just her personality, and we get all of that. And he said twenty seconds, and he's spot on. Um, it definitely a great introduction to the character. Yeah, for sure. Here we'll go now to uh, the meeting. I'm calling them Team Elsbeth for the rest of the episode, which is the Morgan uh, Elsbeth, uh, Balin and Shin Hati combination. Here we find out first of all that. What Ahsoka takes from the temple beginning, the Nicester Temple, is called a star map. And it's a map that has the key, the coordinates to where Thrawn is supposedly is in terms of where in the in the galaxy he is here. And Pete, first of all, this is a Kodor shout-out, Nice Little Republic. This is one of the technology. It's called the star map in the game. And it, they actually use the same sort of visual technique as the star map. So I was very excited to see that pop up. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I, it was completely new to me. Um, I never really played through the games, but it visually beautiful. Um, I don't think we've seen something like that in Star Wars, other than maybe hollow maps inside the you know the battleships and the and the um, oh, what's the word with the destroyers and everything like yeah. that. Um, but this was this was very cool. I think this was um, just visually beautiful and it very Star Wars like. You know, not to steal what what Nick's talking about earlier. Uh, very Star Wars like, and it fits really well. Yeah, Nick, let's get to the other big reveal in this scene here that Morgan Ellsworth is a night sister and she is from Dathomir originally. So, like, I'm, I'm, we saw we saw a hint of this in the trailer and she was using magic to open the star map. We see it in the second episode here. So, how'd you feel about this re re reveal here? I like it. Uh, it it makes sense, too. I was like, who's this lady? Why is she... And, and talking about Amanda season two when Ahsoka was fighting her. Who's this lady? Why is she, like, so loved, praised by these people. Like, why are they afraid of her? Why are they, like, because Ahsoka wiped the floor with her. I get it. She's hiding her magic. You know what I mean? Like, it makes sense now. It's like, oh, that's why they're so, you know, happy with her. That's, or like, or so, like, accepting of her, praising her. But that's also why Ahsoka was able to, to, to take her down and capture her, because she needs to hide her magic so people don't know who she is. Yeah, for the uninitiated here, I mean, Shin Hadi is a good job basically summing up. It's like, oh, you're a witch. So can you just give the audience a little, if they want a little deeper on what a night sister is, what is it? 
You're talking to me? Yeah. Uh, God, how do you even explain it? They're just... I guess the first thing to say is, in Star Wars, there's more than the Force. There's also magic. And the Night Sisters wield magic, not the Force. If that makes sense. And they're they're kind of like witches of the planet Dathomir. And they use dark side magic, which is very similar to the Force, but not the Force. And Dathomir is a very dark planet with a lot of dark energy and stuff. And they live there and they're like harnessed on the energy. And they're just... One thing I never understood, maybe you can help me with this if you know, Mike. What is their goal? Like, I just know that they're just evil. Like, Why? I don't. I don't know. I think they. Like, have- do, do they want anything? Like, I, I, and also, Asajj Ventress is from Dathomir, and so is Darth Maul and Savage Press. So, gives you an idea of like some of the people that come from there. Yeah, and P also throw in Marin from the Jedi Survivor game is is also a Night Sister as well. So, if you play that game, she's the same type of character that Morgan Elspeth is. But I would say, I, Nick, I believe that like they had some sort of running with the Jedi where they just sort of had a major issue with how they were doing. I think is why they went the other way, if I remember correctly. Okay. Okay. That's why I believe that's correct. And I, I want to make something clear because there's been a lot of complaints on the internet about something and people are not fully under, I don't think people are fully understanding it. And that's why there's complaints. The complaints are around the fact that really another map. Why are there all these maps in star Wars? Why is there a map that knows where Luke Skywalker is? Why is there, you see the point? Like, why is there all this like, there was a map in the Rise of Skywalker. There's kind of a map in whatever. The map here is not the map to Thrawn. It is the map that shows where they think he is. So let me explain. It's not a map to Thrawn. It's a map to a location that after years they've said, I think this is where he is. This map leads us there. We don't know where that is, though. They don't know he's there. They think he's there. They, he probably is there. But this map is not like desert. It's not tracking Thrawn. If that makes sense. They call it the pathway to what call it, Peridia. Yeah, I think they get something like the Scion like bridge they're trying to build. Yes, yeah, so it's it's more about the location than a map to a person. They don't have. There's no map like for even in the Force Awakens. There was no map to Luke Skywalker. The map was to the first Jedi Temple, and they thought Luke would be there, and they were right. It's not a map to a person. It's not like Luke's like, I'm going to go and not tell you where I'm going, but maybe you'll find this map and it'll tell you. Like, no, they just figured out where he probably was and they found the map to get to take them there. If that, if that makes more sense and it clears it up a little bit more. There's no map to Thrawn. It's a map to where they think Thrawn is. Yeah, and P, I'll add another Jedi survivor call out here. I do feel like that this like path, we'll get to this later in the episode when T-Mails will talk about how we got to build this path of Scion to get to this galaxy we think that Thrawn is in here. Gives me major vibes of how we're trying to get to Tantalor. Yeah, for sure. Um, I gotta say, I think Jedi Survivor was a pretty heavy influence on this show a little bit too. Um, timelines match up as well um, for, the, for the most part, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it feels like the whole Tantalor arc and trying to get there as well. It's kind of just like it. We don't know how to get there, but we're trying to find a way, you know. So yeah, I agree. Let, yeah, let's go ahead now to. Ahsoka and Sabine's reunion here because Hera suggests once they find the map, like, hey, you should reach out to Sabine. She can help you with this. And I can see, like, when they meet up, uh, Nick, that it's very icy. Like, that they have not talked in a long time, clearly. Mm-hmm. Lots of tension. 
we learned, you know, we knew from the trailers and whatnot that Sabine was going to be her apprentice or was her apprentice in the past. And it turns out that was true. And it looks like something happened along the way. And I have a prediction on what that is, or not necessarily a prediction, but a theory on why things ended the way they did with them. And I think it's because Ahsoka saw what happened to Anakin and she was, and she's become terrified of attachment while she lives on her ship why she just goes where she's needed and leaves doesn't stick around anymore because she saw what happened to Anakin and now she's taking it so seriously and that look what happened to him when he was attached that she's gotten to a point where she's terrified of attachments why she wouldn't train Grogu why she didn't want to finish the training with Sabine it's because she's terrified of what happened to him and I mean rightfully so if if there's ever a moment in in anyone's life to have PTSD to think that she was pretty much best friends with Darth Vader. I would have PST, PTSD too. Yeah, and Pete, we also see that, like, Sabine basically says, hey, like, I'm willing to help in order to find Ezra here, but, like, I see this map here. Let me take it off the ship to uh, basically have more space to think about it. Ahsoka's like, no, I don't trust you with this. And then when Hu Yang has the report on the two Jedi who she ran into on uh, Arcana, she's like, you know, you can't hear this information. It's not for you. So, like, the trust had clearly eroded between these two over the course of years for like who knows what reasons typically, but Nick might be on something there. Yeah, I mean to to combat Nick's point a little bit is she saw what happened to Anakin after she left him and left the Jedi Order, so why would she leave Ahsoka the same way? But that's not to say that he's not correct. Um, it's definitely a great theory, and obviously, like you said, there's something there. There is a tarnished reputation. There is tarnished trust. There's a lot that's that probably needs to be unpacked within the next six episodes of this ep- of this show. Um, but I'm sure we'll get to the bottom of it eventually. But there is definitely something there. Yeah, for sure. And we see that like when she's talking to Hu Yang, uh, Sabine does dip with the uh, star map. She goes back to her to the communications tower, and uh, he credits her. She manages to because we know she's an artist from Rebels, and we see she's looking at it from the art perspective. And says, just does some manipulation with her computers and like communication stuff and figures out how to open it. And she sees the map. She doesn't figure get like enough data down to get the true location, but credit her for solving the puzzle. Ahsoka couldn't. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it, you know, just takes a different kind of mind to, to open it up. Right. I don't think Ahsoka was thinking outside the box like uh, Sabine was. And like you said, she has a more artistic way of looking at things. And that would happen to be how to open that map. I'm sure if it was not artistic or anything else like that, Maybe Ahsoka would have figured it out, but um, that's where we're at with that, at least. Yeah, and Nick, this is something else that we talked about in the group chat. I want to bring it into the podcast here in terms of Sabine figuring out the map. We go back to, I think, Season 4 of Rebels here. This is a poll here. When Ezra enters the world between worlds, that we forget that Sabine was on the outside of that Lethal Temple with a, some Imperial stooge studying the art, figuring out how it worked here. You could tell kind of they paid homage to that in terms of how she was positioning pieces on the uh, hologram here, so... Cool shout out. Absolutely. And I just got to say, Sabine is awesome. She is the coolest character. She was my favorite character in all of Rebels. I think when we went through Rebels, we did MVPs and LVPs and all that. And Sabine was top of my list. It wasn't even close. And Ahsoka, I think Ahsoka ended up being our top in Clone Wars. Am I right about that? Yeah, Sabine was our top Rebels MVP also. And, and that's what I'm saying. And was Ahsoka our top MVP in, in Clone Wars? I believe so. So there you go. We have these two together. This is like, it's awesome. Yeah, so anyway, Pete, she solves the star map, but the 
we the mission to to get to get the star map map from the team Elsbeth comes through here because a couple of HK drawers get the drop on her. She ends up getting a lightsaber duel with Shinhati because she has Ezra's lightsaber here, which you'll learn later on. She's modified over the years. She does not do well in this fight, and she ends up getting stabbed by uh, Shin on the way out as Ahsoka shows up for backup. And then as she gets there, we see that the episode ends with Sabine lying there, like, in a lot of pain and a lot of peril here. And there's something that frustrated Nick in the episode here. Did it bother you that we ended the first part with Sabine getting a fatal but not fatal wound? No. I mean, I think <laughs> I saw a meme about how Qui-Gon sitting there going, how can everyone else get stabbed and be fine, but not me? Uh, but I uh, I feel like this has become a thing in Star Wars. I feel like this has happened a lot um, in the past couple shows. And who knows, maybe it's just the advance in technology by that point, uh, why it's doable to get stabbed by a lightsaber now and not die. However, uh, it didn't bother me that much. It didn't. It just kind of showed her novice and her lack of skill when it came to lightsaber stuff and and i think it sets up the next episode beautifully yeah nick so it, it bothered me at the time it doesn't bother me anymore but it bothered me at the time because when i first saw it it looked like a direct hit and i'm like how what's going on here but now that i look at it it was to the side and the soko shows up like right then like they, they're able to get medical attention to her right away when the difference is qui-gon was laying there for god knows how long for obi-wan finally finished off maul and then they looked like, I don't know, where they were. Like, where were they in that fight? Like, some control room? Like, like See, they were in a reactor. where were they? Like, they, they were in the whole Phantom Menace fight, I have no idea where they were. They were, like a, they were in a reactor room in the in the uh, aircraft hangar. Yeah, so, like, just people, it's, it, you saw the size of those rooms. Like, the, by the time they actually got help, got him somewhere, it was way too late. So, I can, under, I can see it now. And I guess, I mean, do you think this is maybe why they did two episodes? I think maybe, because, I mean, the, the two fit together very nicely, sort of set us I definitely don't episode. think this is why they did two episodes, but it's certainly a reason. It is a reason, and I'll point out here, in the past couple of shows, we had Reva twice get stabbed like through the chest of the lightsaber survive, the Grand Inquisitor it happened to, happened to Kylo Ren in the uh, sequel trilogy. This has become a thing now. Yeah, it's, well, yeah, it's a thing. Should make it a tracker. How many people get stabbed right through the chest or whatever and live? A yeah. lightsaber for Star Wars. I did see a funny meme on, I think, on X the the other day where, or where I think. What's uh, that? I saw where would you find it? I, on you mean Twitter? Twitter X. Ah, okay. Yes, yeah, so I saw the I saw the funny meme of like Obi like of somebody like saying, "Oh, like Qui Gon, you got stabbed. We got to get you in the back attack." And they show like, a guy is jumping in his grave and covering himself with dirt. So like, I just thought that was funny because like, yeah, he's the only one who gets stabbed with a lightsaber in the in the chest and dies. <laughs> All right, so that is funny. that's the end of part one. Let's go to part two here. Toil and trouble here. So we do get a bit of like Ahsoka Sabine backstory here. A little quick plot stuff at the top here is that Ahsoka ends up bringing Sabine back. She wants to bench her because she got herself hurt. She ends up going back to to the communication tower to try and investigate what's going on here. And Pete, how cool was it that we got Sabine using the Force Echo? I mean, Ahsoka using the Force Echoes to figure out what happened there. It was it was cool. Uh, again, we're we're uh, we're taking a book, uh, taking a play out of Jedi uh, Fallen Order and Survivor's book, right? Um, I think it was pretty cool. I I, I really enjoyed that part because you, you haven't seen something like that in Star Wars yet. Yeah, so it was the Force Echo thing that Star that Cal Kestis loves to do. So she does it, figures out that one of the droids is still there because Sabine tells her there were two. I killed one. She 
they beheads the other one, brings it back into Sabine to study here. And Nick, the scene where she's trying to like deprogram the head at the risk of it becoming a bomb was very funny because like Hugh, Hugh Yang, the droid, is panicking. He's like, we can't do it. He's like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. As he gets the critical before he pulls the plug. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was great. I, I enjoyed that. And there's just, I mean, it shows that she maybe was going to blow everybody up. And droid probably knows better than she does, but also just shows how good she is with that kind of stuff. And she was about to crack the code, it looks like. Well, she got far enough that she figures out yeah. where, they figure like the droid came from Corellia. So, so Sabine and Hera go fly out there to go work, investigate what's going on with that droid shipyard and why this droid came after them. And I do think it was fun, Pete. We get the conversation here between Sabine and Hera. Ahsoka, uh, it was Sabine and Hera, where, like, Hera's like, hey, good job. Like, you did your thing. Like, you're valuable. And Sabine's like, Ahsoka doesn't think so. She's like, don't worry. I got this. So, nice to see Hera, who we haven't talked about much in the premiere, like, sort of playing peacemaker between these two. She's playing mom, right? Yeah. She's playing this motherly figure of, uh, let me... Uh don't worry about it i'll talk to you know i'll talk to dad or i'll talk to your sister don't worry about it it'll be fine you guys love each other whatever it, you know it's it's uh it's a cool little dynamic um and i think it's i i think it fits i don't think it's out of place it's also funny you think about it that way because ahsoka is older than both Hera and sabine definitely sabine i, I mean i obviously but Hera, yeah but you don't think about that at first yeah because Hera, i think we saw her in bad batches what like 10 yep and ahsoka was it's probably 17. Probably like 17 at that point, yeah. Yeah, so it's an interesting perspective here as they sort of go off on their own thing here. We go back to Team Elsbeth here, and we use the star map. She's the star map to basically point out that Thrawn is not only not in this galaxy, he's in a separate galaxy that we have to make a path to get here to. And Pete, Coder reference number two here, which he says that the star maps were designed by an ancient species that no longer... We have no idea what happened to them, which is very similar to how the storm maps from Coda were, were described. Yeah, didn't uh, didn't know that one either. Um, is this the first time we talk about a different galaxy in Star Wars? Uh, I feel like we're always in the same galaxy, maybe different planets, but this is, the, I think, the first time we've talked about a different galaxy entirely. I think Jedi Survivor kind of alludes to it. We talk about invaders from another galaxy show up on Tanawar. Okay. I, I thought, like, you know, again, I, you know I haven't played Hodor, but isn't the the ancient civilization from Fallen Order or Survivor? It could be, but but that's the same mechanic they do as in Encoder. Oh, okay, okay. That could be an Easter egg for both. It could for both because in, in Coder, or one or the other, really. But. In Encoder, you're chasing Star Maps the whole game, and you get to the end after you find the fourth Star Map. You find this society of, of people called the Rakatan, who are basically like oh. these advanced aliens who like set the star maps up and just abandoned the galaxy, went off on their own, like, separate place, too. And then you end up tracking them down later on. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, I can see your point, though, with the phone, or maybe this is a Zetho shout-out. Yeah. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, we do not awesome actually see, We don't actually see the Zetho in Fallen Order, right? No, we hear about them a lot. Okay, so, maybe that's something they're going to look at in the, in the next game here, but she does set the map up here, and she sends, uh, I forgot to mention earlier, Pete, when this and Shin Hadi goes out, like we did get the great shot, the fall, the Phantom Menace shot where she's on the fall and has the probe droid come back to her exactly how Maul gets the probe droid to come back to him on Tatooine in the first movie. Yeah, yeah, no, it was uh, it was definitely cool. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we go we go to Corellia now for a little bit because Ahsoka and Hera show up there. They're going to expect the facility there, and we meet the. 
Major, like, is it Major, like, Major Wine is the guy's name? Major Win? I, I would imagine it's Win. <laughs> I can't imagine the name Major Wine, but maybe. I mean, they called the captain, the first one, Captain Hale. But possibly. Yeah, so Major Win, played by Peter Jacobs, is a pr pretty funny actor here. He promises, oh, we'll give you a tour of the facility, go what's going on here. And Pete, what do you think about the setup here where she basically says, hey, like, like, why do you have so many ex-Imperials working here? And he's like, oh, you know, like, they don't care about who runs the gas. They just care where their paychecks come from. Yeah, I mean, Hera pretty much has to fight him for this uh, this tour or yeah. whatever. I mean, she pulls the general card and she's like, I'm a general. You're you're going to bring me around the facility. You're going to show me what's going on here. Um, and he kind of gets bullied into all these different things. And Hera keeps playing that card. Um, it's funny because I, I, I know him from the ha the show House. Yeah. It was Dr. Taub, I believe, yeah. was the name. Yeah. Um, so I'm just like, oh, look, it's, it's Dr. Taub. Like, it's, it's one of those things like I can't dissociate at all. But he plays it well. Uh, he does play it well. And, and I think, but this is also a, a great tie into Andor, right? Um, that kind of like reinstatement program. So very cool. Yeah, he's Min Weaver is the guy is his name. And I know him NCIS Los Angeles. He's one of the he's like a department defense official of that show. He's very funny when he shows up there, Nick. Yeah, I'll be completely honest. I, I he said that like they don't care who pays them. I kind of believed that, and I found it odd that they did turn on them, if you will. Like I found that really odd because the Empire was known to, you know, have let's just say a bad work life balance. Put it that way. Yep. You know, it was it was not a friendly. It's 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 hard to see that there are people who worked for the Empire who are doing the same job essentially for the Republic who miss the empire days that seems like it would be hard to believe but here we are we are here and while this is while they're taking the, sh the uh shuttle over to the main headquarters here we get another conversation between ahsoka and hera and hera saying hey you know like you need sabine she needs you you guys need to work together and ahsoka's like you know like basically kind of going the oh, i'm not sure about this and she's like hey like you guys need each other but you should get back together here it's like it's like they're stuff like she's stubborn it's like you know their point's like, so are you. Like, you guys need can kind of, like, work well together. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, so, while that's going on, we go back to LaFall for a little bit because Hu Yang and Sabine talk about the lightsaber. Hu Yang basically says, hey, why aren't you working on this? She's like, oh, you know, I got my thing going on. Like, she doesn't want me. It's like, that's a terrible reason. Go do your thing here. So, what do you think about Hu Yang basically trying to nudge Sabine back towards the Pete? Um, I think it's cool because he used to help the Jedi build the lightsaber. So he has that kind of inside look at the Jedi order and how things go. So I think that's what makes it organic that he tries to push her back to Ahsoka in those kind of ways. Um, it's kind of weird to see a droid doing that, but it's, it's not right. I feel like there's worse droids to have in a show that is not really adding any uh, what's the word? Meaningful content to the show, so it it was good. I, I liked it, and I but I think also that background also helped me kind of get into that character and why it's so acceptable for him to be giving advice like that. You know? Yeah, Nick. I think you remember remember Hu Yang and people who are not familiar. He is a droid who he's from Clone Wars. He's in season five. We see him when he's helping a bunch of younglings build their lightsabers, and we real learn about him. Like he's been working with Jedi for like thousands of years, so he's seen a lot of things going on. He sort of recognized like, hey, like. You may not be the most skilled forces, but you have the ability to follow Jedi way. 
Yes, he's very knowledgeable, and I, I like the character a lot. I think he's um, he's as I said, really knowledgeable. He's also funny, but he's not funny to a point where he's a joke. He can crack a joke or two and be a little comedic, but his character is not a comedic relief character. He had insight also. So I really like his character, and I'm excited to see him for the rest of the season. Yeah, excited to see him here. We go back to uh, to uh, Borrelia, where we have this meeting on the bridge of the ship where they're sort of surveilling here, and then this big showdown where, like, Ben Weaver's like, oh, the report looking for is classified. And I was like, I'm a general. I should get this. He's like, it's classified. He said, unclassify it. He's just buying time, and we see one of the random bridge officers go, for the Empire, and try and kill them, and then so quickly mows them all down here, so... Pete, what did you think of this? I mean, with absolute ease, she just takes care of the situation for uh, for a little bit there. Yeah. Um, I think it was good. Uh, like you guys were talking about, it's kind of odd to see people liking the Empire and doing that, um, where they want the Empire back. Yeah, especially, like, especially like lower level employees. Right, yeah. right. So I don't. Maybe, maybe there was some sort of like fear tactic there like they're afraid that maybe someone's in their ear saying hey we're going to be starting this up again if you're not with us we're going to we're going to kill you kind of a thing um but i i mean look it it works like i said we get a little bit of it in andor we understand it a little bit so i think that's a nice little precursor to the show to understand that kind of relocation or reinstatement program and all that kind of stuff and um it, it works it, it definitely works yeah, it does sort of work out for us that we had the that stuff in Mando season three, so it gives us the concept of oh, like there are still Imperial loyalists in the Republic, so it's nice to sort of revisit that, Nick. It was, it was, and then we are. Or by the way, we didn't mention this. I think it's pretty obvious. I think everyone knows this, but just in case you don't, Corellia is the Han Solo planet. Yeah, no Han Solo in the episode though, but it is where he's from. No, that is where he's from, and the beginning of Solo, and you can actually see it's built up quite a bit since that beginning of Solo's. Beginning of solo must have been like thirteen BBY. Yeah, it's not, so this is because like, because the later on part was ten BBY, and it must have been a few years ago. This is got to be a good twenty years later, maybe more. Probably about twenty years, nineteen years later, and you can see the planet's really built up a lot. It looks nice. It does look nice here, and we do get a couple of fights here. So we get Ahsoka taking on Marek, who is apparently one of the last Inquisitors still floating around. Nick, and we see that. She holds her own against him. She kills the HK droids, who, again, another Coder shout-out. This is where these assassin droids came from here. One is flying away. Mike, I would like you to do me a favor. Yeah. I don't think Merrick is an Inquisitor. You I would not. like you to open up the Star Wars X page, if you will, the Twitter page. Okay. And and eight hours ago, they posted a picture and it said, see, see Chopper, the droid in Ahsoka. You see that tweet? I am getting to that. Because if you could, if you could share for the video version. Okay, I will share it now. I haven't popped up yet, the Marek one, so. He has so the, the, just, the, the Chopper is the one I'm interested in. And I'll walk my way through here. Yeah, so we have Chopper, the droid. Chopper. So you have Chopper, the droid, and it's replied to with. See Hu Yang. And then that's replied to with... See Merrick. I think he's a droid. You think Merrick's a droid? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from what he's I... Showing up, he's showing up with these guys as other droids. Well, so, I think if I just a character they didn't do yet, Pete, because I do feel like that he's an Inquisitor, and we sort of get the hint that, like, oh, like, he's an Inquisitor for hire. That's sort of the sense that, like, he's just a gun for hire at this point in the galaxy. I'm, I'm still hoping it's Barris. 
I was thinking that too. Could be someone we know also. I, and I, yeah, I mean, I don't, maybe we'll take this offline because I don't want to say anything that will bury, you know, exposing leads that you guys have or anything like that. But I think that's like Nick is saying, maybe it's someone else that we know. Um, but I'll tell I'll I mean, tell you Ezra. That, that was it. Yeah, that was that was literally what I was I was thinking <laughs> that possibly Ezra. Uh I didn't want to take anyone's idea, but like uh, I was talking about it um uh with a cousin of mine, and it's just it it I, I, I really hope it's not right, because it's like it's just like oh come on, like we've seen it done so many times, like good guy goes you know, like you know, I don't want to see it again, but like Barris would be probably the better of the two if you're gonna do either of them. Yeah, I'll also point out here in terms of the, the Marek thing. I did also think like it's pretty cool that like when Ahsoka fights him, he does she he throws the lightsaber away. And, like she very casually just leans to the sideways for tr- returning back to her. So like very casual force usage there since that he's coming back. That was a boss yeah. move. It was a very boss That's move hard. here. And then one of my favorite parts of this thing is that while Ahsoka's doing this fight here, Hera takes off in the Phantom with Chopper to Go after this one, and Chopper is in full on like homicidal mode because they're shooting they're, the, the ship with the droid is shooting at them, and he's basically screaming, "Shoot it down! Shoot it down!" And Harris like, "We can't do that. We, sh- we shoot over the city. We could go down over the city here." And he's like, "Why? What? Why does that matter? That's our homicidal droid. We love Pete." Yeah, I mean, if you have watched Ahsoka without the the subtitles, go back and watch the Chopper scene with subtitles. He has dialogue. Yeah. Even though you can't understand it in, in regular English and just the beeps and boops, he literally has dialogue that's hysterical. Yeah. Uh, I, I turned on Mike to the subtitles last night. How'd you like it, Mike? That helped right, I helped there. I will say that. I, I watch yeah. most of my shows with subtitles. I feel oh, like why? I started getting into it uh, with Game of Thrones. Um, and then I just for everything else, unless it's like something quick like Family Guy or It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, like I throw subtitles on with anything with like a really, really deep story. So I'm making sure I'm getting all the information. Um, it way. takes a little bit. It takes a little bit to get used to. I will say that. I, I can't way. say that. Especially, I started with Game of Thrones too because a lot of times they're in the, you know, they're in the Winterfell, they're in the Winterfell Hall and they're doing this and they're saying you can't have no idea what they're saying and they're saying names and then if it's a name, it's capitalized. I don't know what the name unless they capitalize it. So I, I like that. Yeah, I did love this whole chopper hair exchange where he's like. Like, just buy a track. He's just throwing stuff out of the board. Like, nope, nope, nope. He's like, you went through my stuff. And she's like, Stop. no, I didn't. I'm shocked you didn't pick up on this one, Mike. Do yeah. you know what he threw out? I did not guess he threw out. A Lego. <laughs> it was legit a Lego. Yeah, so he's throwing out a bunch of stuff. He finds the tracker. Then he lands it. I did love at the end. Like, he said, did you move my stuff? Yeah. And she's like, no, he didn't move your stuff. He's like, you check under the battery? He's like, oh. And then he finds it. And he throws <laughs> it on the ship. And he's like, she's like, Good job. He's like flexing with his thing, with his like little antenna. Like he's got guns. I was just, I was just dying he's, laughing. Hera's, Hera's literally the mom of this show. Yes. I mean, between the whole thing with Sabine and Hera and now this with Chopper, it's almost like she's just dealing with her kids. Yeah. I will also say here, uh, Nick, like people who have not gotten the Chopper experience before, you're going to fall in love with this droid over the course of the show. He's my favorite Star Wars droid of all time. I am a big Chopper fan as well. Yeah. So anyway, he gets the job done here. We go back to... Ahsoka's ship. Ahsoka gets a message from Sabine or basically she says, hey, I'm ready to come back on board. We get a couple of great homages to Rebels here, Pete, because you know, when we get the scene where she puts her Mandalorian armor back on for the first time in the show and people who do not realize, oh yeah, she is a Mandalorian. We see that, number one, that she has painted like on like one on her side sigil there, a pergil in, in a memorial of Ezra. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I gotta be honest, I didn't even catch that. 
Um, I, I just saw the the uh, didn't she have the Phoenix Squadron logo on one side? Yeah, um, we did. That's what I caught. Yeah, Nick, I don't know if you noticed this, but like in season three of Rebels, apparently I saw this on tw- on Twitter today that like she had the little owl thing that Ahsoka had when she thought Ahsoka was dead, and now uh-huh. and now she sw- she switched it to the space whale when Ezra when Ezra she thought Ezra was dead. Space whales are back. Yep, they are back here. Space whales are back. So I have a keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah, we get the great shot where like it's a shot for shot like homage to when Kanan cuts his hair and she cuts her own hair in the same exact style. And then Pete, we love this here. We get basically a shot for shot recreation of the epilogue to Rebels here with Sabine like going to the mural, like touching Ezra's face, walking back to Ahsoka, and then they leave together. That was pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I have a question, but I'm not going to ask you yet. I want Nick to be able to go because I don't want to tread on what he's about to ask or say. So I yeah, want him to go first. And I then have I'm a question. It might question. be the same question you're about to might ask. Be. It's, are you sure this is the recreation of this scene? Or is this the scene? I mean, I saw that was the, the si- exact question I was going to have. I saw the side by side. And like the, dif- the difference is like she puts her helmet on in the Rebels version. She doesn't here. I know there's some small differences like that. And Ahsoka's wearing something, you know, drastically different. Yeah, Ahsoka's like but, she goes from Ahsoka the White to Ahsoka the Gray, basically. I think I think it's the same thing. You think this is? And I'm seeing that online. I'm seeing it online that this is the scene, and they just kind of like right, like are we move some things from live action to to animation or vice versa? They're little changes. Right. So like, I'm wondering if the first two episodes that we saw now happened in Rebels season four. Afterward, like in between the end of the it, okay. right, in between the very, very finale and everything that happened on Lothal with Ezra and, and Thrawn, and then episode, let's call it three of Ahsoka, is literally going to be season five of Rebels, like we keep talking about. Because I still it, think it is season five, but I think we just go back one a little bit for a second, right? Like I wonder, I wonder if these events are happening because because in theory right if this is happening maybe maybe it's maybe mando's around at the same time as season four like i'm this is where i get confused with the timeline right so they've and, said they've said that this season takes place at the same time as mando season three so we're led to believe it takes place at the same time as mando season three so my guess is i think this i believe the year is nine aby am i right about that mike yeah yeah so nine years after i do hope essentially um so I, what i think is Again, this is off of the assumption that this scene is the scene from Rebels. We didn't realize it at the time, but when we were watching the Rebels finale, we were watching a scene from 9 ABY. Yeah, so like we which was... kind of makes sense when you think about it, because they're talking about things that happened. For example, they're saying how Rex was at the Battle of Endor, and that was in 4 ABY. So it actually kind of makes sense that this is the same scene. Right, so like, I know they're not actually they... talking to the voiceover, but still. Why would they wait this long to celebrate Sabine? If it's not literally right after it, you know what I'm saying? Like, why would they redo it all? That's I what kind of makes not, me I feel like this waiting. is. The, I think it's like the anniversary. Right. But like, it, even if it's a year, right. That makes more sense than this is something that's way after rebels. Like, you know, it, Oh, I, I think I get it. They, they might, they might wreck kind of timeline a little bit because. Uh, they, well, think about it. The end of rebels. How many years before a new hope? Zero. One. one, yeah. I think it's this eight. is nine years after New Hope. What is nine plus one? Ten. Ten what is a very relevant anniversary? Yeah. Ten. Yeah, kind of makes sense now. Yeah. All right. I guess. I and guess it was. Do you just think more it's the same team. scene, Mike? I don't think you're on board. I'm not sure I'm on board. I could see. I see the argument. I see where you can say, you know, maybe they just 
up said, okay, here's the scene. We'll put it in live action. Then with what happens, episodes one and two happen right before that scene, basically. That's what I'm thinking. And then we pick up from there and go forward. So I think we didn't even know it, but in 2018, or for you guys, it was 2021, when we watched the season and series finale of Rebels, we were actually watching the Ahsoka show for Part 15 to 20 seconds. Yep. So we'll put that in the in the books here, and then we are also going to mention here that we have them come together, they fly off together, and then we have the final conversation with Team Elsbeth where Morgan explains how they have to reunite Thrawn, they have to build the Scion with the hyperdrive they stole from Corellia here. And Bela's an interesting line here because basically talks about how like oh it's Sokatano and like you know I feel bad killing her, and he's like she's like oh like you have like. You got remorse. I'm surprised. Like not remorse. It's just the fact that there's so few of us left that it feels bad to kill. One. It feels it's not great to kill one of us. Well, I, I think this is why they're not completely Sith or Inquisitors, right? They have that orange lightsaber to represent. That there's still a little bit of not remorse, but a little bit of good in them. They're still kind of Jedi. Um, so it, it, it makes sense. It's on brand for the character, yeah. and it makes for a very interesting one at that. Yeah, Nick, these guys gotta feel like more just guns for hire than just like straight up bad guys. Yeah, there's they're very interesting characters, and we're going to talk about them a little bit more later on in this podcast. And I, I am very interested to see what happens to them because I don't know. I look at them; I'm not sure they're pure evil. I don't think they're going to turn. They might turn. I don't know. Like I don't know. Like I don't know what them. Yeah, so that's it here. And Nick, I'm guessing your question you want you mentioned to be off very want to discuss was the epilogue question. It wasn't, but we did already cover it, so we'll just skip over that. All right, so let's now go to our trackers, the things we keep track of here every single week on the podcast here. So for me, I'll set them all up, but going forward here, I'm only going to mention the ones that hit in every episode. So, like, just save us a little time, because the episodes of recaps might get a little long otherwise, Nick. Yeah, agreed. So here's what we're going to keep track of here this season here. So first up, our pal Hondo. He has been in 18 episodes of Star Wars. He put him in every show. hope he shows up here. So Pete... Is there we got that Ryder Azadi and Jai Kel? I feel like it's a decent chance to get a Hondo uh, shout out. There is a decent chance. There is a decent chance for a lot of different cameos from Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, so that's exciting. It's exciting here. And Nick, we'll keep track of Bo Katan as well. It would help your team if she comes through here, but we will get to the teams in a second here. 21 Bo Katans over the course of Star Wars history. Let's make it 30. Or yes, <laughs> 6. 27. All right, so we'll put in that one here. That did not hit today. No live action cameos yet, although P. I'm assuming we're gonna get plenty down the line. Yeah, what was that? I mean, we're going. To. What was it? What was the tracker? Live action cameos. Oh, okay. And we got how many here? None so far. Zero. That's right. All right, we got our two MA cameos. I mentioned them at the top: Ryder Azadi and Jai Kel in the premiere. So you gotta put Huang, right? Huang, Yang. He doesn't count. He's already in the uh, actual show. What do you mean? I mean, he's he's in the main cast. Like, he's on count of the character if she doesn't trigger this, in my opinion. Right, because then technically all of the characters, like Hera and Chopper and Sabine, they would count. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm a little confused because we did not put him off our character drift we did. We did. We did? Oh, okay. Then I'm just wrong. Okay, got it. He was not on the list because anybody who appears in the trailer is like, credited okay. as main cast. We're not counting them as, like, cameos. Got it. All right, next up here, we went to four planets so far, uh... Pete, we went to Arcana, Lithal, Cetos, which I'm calling Stone, Star Wars Stonehenge, and Corellia. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, definitely a lot of plants. That's just the Star Wars way, right? Like Nick said at the top of the show, it's a very Star Wars show. 
Yep, next up here, we are keeping track of the chopper kill count, Nick. It turns out how many times chopper is killed over the course of the Star Wars. It is a very high 50,021 kills, so... He, he wanted to add more to his body count this time, but Ahsoka said no. I mean, Harris said no. I, I, I think we'll get some. He's got to kill some. I think, I think we'll get some. He's, he's what? Top 10 in the galaxy, at least. Might be top five. Top five, probably. I mean, Starkiller base, we blew that up. We had a lot. Yeah. We're through the final shot. Luke has a lot from the Death Star. Lando has a lot from the second Death Star. Vader's probably killed thousands of people, but yeah. He's up there. He's up there. Next up here, classic lines. I'm gonna give us one year for the "We Are No Jedi." Shout out to the Ahsoka line. I am not a. I am no Jedi. So Pete won there on classic lines. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think that's definitely considered a classic line. Uh, Nick, we're keeping track of how many times a lightsaber gets lit up over the course of this show. We had it happen eight times in the first two episodes. Happy wrong with that one. Okay. Next one here, lightsaber duels. We had two so far, one per episode. Sabine and Shin in episode one, and Ahsoka and Marek in episode two. So, Pete, two lightsaber duels so far. Yep, absolutely. Definitely. I'm expecting, cool. I'm expecting eight or ten. So. Yep, and next, the last one here, I'm adding nice little public references. We already had three in the first two episodes. I might as well keep track if they keep going back to this well. Yeah, you're, you're going to have to help me out on that one. Uh, maybe Nick, too, because I, don't, I, don't, I never played... Uh, I, you know, I can't help. I got this one. I, I play the game. All right, so next up here, we'll take a look at our character draft here, which there was no action in week one to reset the teams here. Pete took Rex, Moth Gideon, Barris, Afi, and the Martez sisters. Uh, I took Zeb, Admiral Pelion, Mando, and Luke Skywalker. Nick took Asian Callus, Bo-Katan, Carson, Tavon, Obi-Wan, Kenobi here. So there's a lot of potential here to all these teams. There is, but when you watch the first couple episodes and the way the tone is going, don't you feel like, oh, wait, now we're getting nobody. <laughs> That's how I feel. I actually thought I would, I really I thought I was getting Carson Tava in the first second of the first episode. Yeah. You might still get him. I might. You might. Yeah. I feel like he's probably your strongest pick of your four. We'll see. Yeah, and Pete, I still feel confident about Rex and Zeb for us. Yeah, I, I feel like the, our top picks are probably the best chance at getting any points. Yeah. I mean, those those three are literally... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, important to the Rebel storyline in general. So if they're not in it, I'd be surprised. All three of them. All right, so that's what we're going to track this every week here, see if we actually get any action here. Next up here, we're going to do an MVP, LVP board here. As we do every show, we're going to... Look at the best and worst characters in each episode. We're going to break it down and go through the season, see who's the best and who is the worst. This is our board from The Mandalorian, season three for reference here, where Boca is our most valuable character. Mando's number two, Grogu number three. The other side, Praetorian Guard, New Republic, and the Armorer were the three least valuable characters here. So let's get a fun episode here. So we're going to do two candidates each for MVP and LVP. Like one for each episode. It's not to be linked to that specific episode here. So... You want to start us out here? Actually, I'll start us out here. I'll give my first one to Hera because I feel like Hera is the um, the glue of this episode. She brings Soap and Speed together. She gets the information out to basically draw the Imperial like sympathizers out of the group here. She refuses to kill civilians, and Chopper wants her to. Good job overall giving Hera an MVP point. So, Pete, where are you going with your first MVP? Sabine, uh, fantastic 
live action adaptation of the character like Nick loved the character in rebels and even just how she is now, I think is perfect. So just getting the MVP. Uh, Nick first MVP for you. I'll give it to Balin. I uh, think he, uh, I think going into the show, we all kind of thought that Thrawn was going to be the main villain of the show. And he very well might be still, I don't know. It's going to be, we find him at the end or no, maybe we find him halfway, find him next episode, but Balin being the villain instead of Thrawn, let's say, is at first glance disappointing. But then when you watch the episode, it's I'm totally on board for this being my main villain. This guy's and that may not the main villain, I guess Morgan is, but you see my point. Um he's menacing. It, 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 the acting's fantastic and he's he's great. Yeah. My second they'll give it to Hu Yang here. He gives a soak of the real information to identify who the Jedi is that she's dealing with, is Balin Skull, and he gives a good uh le- good uh Wisdom to Sabine to help her rejoin the cause and come put the Soka and Sabine back together. So I give him the second MVP I have here. So Pete, who's your second? Yeah, so so Nick had just said it. Balin. Balin's my second MVP. Um, super interesting character. Super interesting dynamic um, when it comes to him and his Padawan, I guess we can call it, even though they're like Jedi adjacent right now. Um, but yeah, I'm super interested to see how that character grows within the next, you know, however many episodes he's in. <laughs> All right, uh, Nick, last MVP of the week. So I did it a little different than you guys. I did it like I tried to do it like one per episode rather than do like just two. And so the first one I was giving to Balin and then for episode two, I'm thinking to myself, what was the mes- most memorable part of the episode? That's how I can think myself of who's going to be the MVP. And I'm going with Chopper. Yes. <laughs> I think yeah, it was most, to me when I think of episode two of Ahsoka months from now, weeks from now, years from now, I'm going to think of the Chopper scene. And I think Chopper's better in live action than he is animated. He's awesome, and I can't wait to see more of that little guy. Yeah, plus he does land that tracker, help them figure out where they're going. Yeah, oh yeah, he helped too. It wasn't just funny, he helped. Yeah, he does get the tracker off you. He didn't want to murder a bunch of civilians. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) Let's go the other way here. Pete, first LEP of the week. I'm not a fan of Morgan Elsbeth. I gotta be honest. I just, the character to me seems important but not like i feel like she's just like spearheading this and she doesn't really have much like she's not doing anything she just gets broken out of jail and then uses her magic to open up the star map that's it so uh when it comes to just non-impactful characters at least for this first first two episodes morgan elsbeth gets my first lvp uh nick your first lvp um general mayor admiral lieutenant hale whatever his name is captain hale that guy was the worst. The <laughs> worst. He let them in. I texted you guys immediately. Not you, Pete. You were not on the watch party with us, but the people who were like, is this guy serious? He's he's definitely going <laughs> to die. Before I even sent the text, he was dead. Yeah. Before I even sent the text, this guy was, what was he doing? It was so obvious. Like He's like, oh, let's see what they want. Like, what? Yeah, that great. He let them, he let, you're carrying a, a, a prisoner and you're allowing a ship that was that that was an empire ship on like what is he thinking yeah not great i'm gonna ding captain hale too that was pretty bad i mean like you gotta be a little smarter than that i hate that we're doing that though at the same time because he can't get any more points he's dead he's not gonna get any more because he's dead and that throughout the course of this show we're gonna keep reading our lvp list and see his name there and it's gonna be funny next week and it's going to be less funny the next week, and then less funny again. And at the end, we're going to say, oh, yeah, Captain Hale from the premiere. And it's going to be like, oh, yeah, why did we do that? But he deserves it. All right, Pete, second LEP. 
it was tough because I think a lot of this two episodes were, were great. Um, I'm going to have to give it to that guy, Wynn. Is he yeah. the one from the from Corellia? Uh, Peter Jacobson. Yeah, he... Uh, just the characters, just like, I get it. But it's just, he just... I don't know. Some about him was just like, come on, dude. Like, who are you trying to fool? She's a general. Like, you know it's going to happen. So, I'm giving the LVP. Uh, Min Weaver, that's his name. Oh, so Nick. Yeah, I'll also, I'll also be giving it to Captain Wine. Okay, so Min Weaver? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I feel the same thing about the other one. I feel bad because I feel like we're going to be like in six weeks. Like, who is that again? Yeah. But, thank you, thank Okay, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give mine just for to be different. I'm gonna stay in that scene. The lieutenant who stands up screaming for the empire and shoot tries shooting like Hera and Ahsoka. Like, how far did he? Like, how well did he think this plan through? He didn't. Um, yeah, that that's yeah. the problem. But I think this is great if you look at our <laughs> list here. So outside of Pete's Morgan, there, the rest of these characters are just like one-off, never gonna see them again thing. And I think that speaks volumes to how good the show was is that we really had a hard time picking people who weren't good yeah and pete i, think, I don't think we have his name let's call him edson rick and i'll rick the dark technician who uh the guy my guy the four of the empire guy oh yeah I mean, don't listen don't compare that guy to rick the door technician rick the door technician <laughs> has to be the best character in Star Wars ever. So let's not ever compare any LVPs to Rick the Door Technician, okay? He's got the much poor, much poorer executed version of Rick the Door Technician. Oh my god, no. This was this was bullshit. Like this was not <laughs> anything compared to what Rick the Door Technician was. This was this was uh, uh I think this was supposed to be comic relief, you know. For the Empire just dead, you know, just just super quick. Uh but yeah. To be fair, Rick, I I can see it's in the same vein. Same vein. So Nick still does not get the reference, I'm sure. Um I haven't made it there yet. Yeah, I, are you playing the game? Are you still are you still trying to unlock temples with Hyrule guys? I, I honestly have not played either in a very long time. All right, so Edson Rick is on the board here. So now we're going to our grades. He grades us on a scale of one to ten. One is worse than nineteen seventy eight Star Wars holiday special. Ten is up there with the uh, prison regards of Andor for the pinnacle of live action Star Wars. Here, Nick, give me your grade for part one. Uh, so mine are actually both the same. If you wanted to put them both down, you can go. You don't have to come back to me here. Yeah, I'm giving them both nines, and I think they're both fantastic. Very few flaws, if any, and I enjoyed them a tremendous amount. And I really don't have anything negative to say about them, honestly. I'm giving part one a nine and part two an eight. I think one was better. I feel like so. I'm going to give that a little bit of separation here. So Pete, how do you feel? Uh, straight across the board tens for me. Wow. Uh, the reason why they're so high for me is I, I don't think even with the Mandalorian, I don't think I've sat down and said, I'm excited for next week. I need to see more. I don't want this to end. And these two episodes really, really did that for me. Zero flaws. In my opinion, there was LVP characters, but they worked for what was happening. Right. I, I don't want to say that I was overly critical about, you know, that captain or that general that let the, the Empire ship on or even Morgan Elsbeth. She was still a good character just but from what she did in the in the episode. It was bad or she didn't really do much. Um, per Seriously, perfect tens across the board for me. I don't think. Yes, we can have different kinds of sh uh, episodes where there's like more action, but this was literally perfect for me. Very excited to see next week and very excited to rewatch the show. I don't think I've had that kind of excitement ever in a Disney Plus Star Wars show. Yeah, Mike, I, I, I actually think after hearing Pete's little 
explanation there. I'm going to have to go back and change mine to both tens because I'm thinking to myself exactly what he said, like the excitement level for the next episode. I've never felt that before in Star Wars show. Of course, I've been excited for the next Mando episode. Like, oh, no, who like Rogu got captured. How are they going to get him? But like, I've never it wasn't even it wasn't even the same as it is now. I've never been so excited to see it. They've really built up. Ezra and Thrawn in such a great way. And that's because it's like linked to Rebels where like for the casual audience, this is just, oh, this Ezra guy and Thrawn, I've heard about him. For us, more specifically me, I've been waiting five and a half years to find out what happened to them. So it helps a lot with my excitement level. All right. So very high grades across the board to start the show here. So now we'll go to predictions for part three, which Nick, I believe we've heard, this is a short, it was about 31 minutes before credits. So is they can see what they do with that limited time space. So I'm going to start out here. I think this is a very, like, training flashback heavy episode. I feel like we're going to get a lot of the stuff of Ahsoka training Sabine on the ship as they head to their destination. And I think we're going to get some flashbacks to why they split up. We might get the, I think we're going to get the Anakin stuff here too. So I'm going to say that's what happens next week. Uh, Pete, you're up. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think there's going to be a lot of baggage that's unpacked. I think... We're going to get a lot of travel in this next episode with a little bit of action. And like like you had said, maybe some flashbacks. But I think a lot of the baggage that Ahsoka and Sabine have is going to be unpacked. And we're going to understand what happens. Yeah, I do. Nick, I just visualize that scene of like when they're training on the ship and like Ahsoka like takes Sabine down with like the with the move and trips her and has pulled her back up. Like that scene we're definitely seeing. I agree. Um so for my prediction, I'm, I'm kind of combining the both of yours, really. I completely agree. I think it's going to be unpacking baggage through flashbacks and whatnot. And then I have a, an extra prediction, but it's not. Um, I agree with both of you there. and But like my other prediction is that it's not for the, the next um, episode. It's just for the future of the show. I think Balin's Apprentice. Do you have her name off the top of your head? Uh, Shin Hati. Shin Hati. Yep. I think Shin Hati is Balin's daughter. Interesting. And we will see. But I think she is. Like, where, where do you find this girl? Like, what? Like, how else is she around? Like, he, he's not even in. Like, he's not a Sith. He's not a Jedi. Like, he, and where how else do you recruit to this cause? Like, it's a, it's a random. Like, I feel like it's there's some sort of relative, some sort of blood relative there. Yep. All right. So that's what we have on the board for this week, and. Like next week, we're gonna try. Like this week is a little later release. We're gonna we're now we're gonna stick with the schedule. We're probably gonna watch on Tuesday, record on Wednesday. It'll be in your feed on Thursday. That seems like to be the plan for now, Nick. Yeah, maybe once we can do the Tuesday night record, but it's it. Uh, I don't think that's gonna be an every week type thing. I think we could do that once, maybe twice at best. Yeah, because the problem is it'd be, it'd be nice. It's just we need to get the guest on board, and also if you look at our conflicts, almost all of them are on Tuesdays. Yeah, plus they also point out here it's like. Starting this at nine o'clock at nine thirty is hard because like if I had to time, like we, like if this episode was an eight o'clock start, it would be perfect because then we could say, okay, like we watch it for an hour, we're starting at nine, great, but like we're talking about starting a podcast at ten o'clock East Coast time and we have this is not our day jobs, it's a little hard. Especially when we have to or when I say we, I mean you edit it afterwards. Yeah, make some do some fancy Photoshop work, it takes a little time. Yeah. All right. Check so. our fan and then also you're gonna have, you know, Football season starting up. Tuesday night preparations for Wednesday for Thursday night football. It, you know, it, it's a never-ending job, fantasy football. Yeah, plus there are a couple of Tuesdays I'm going to have to miss the watch party, but I will watch it that night. 
right. The watch party will be will be will be going up every Tuesday. Yeah, believe we're going up every Tuesday. Thank you guys for coming on here. Pete, people want to follow you on social media. I can do that. At PJ Constantori29 on Twitter. Uh Nick, one more time. People follow us on social media. At Sky Guys Podcast. We're on Instagram, Twitter, threads, and TikTok. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter, MPhillips331. It's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. This week over on Justin the Suffering Podcast. We got you ready for the U.S. Open tennis tournament. Joined by tennis writer Chris Otto to preview that. Plus, friend of the Sky Guys, uh, Nick DeLesa came on me to talk about episode three of the Jets Hard Knock, Nick. How's that going so far? Smug show. Very Aaron Rodgers heavy, but, you know, we had some if, good moments. If you weren't a Jets fan, would you like it this season? I think you would. We some- I, I'm asking you. No, I'm not asking if I would. I'm asking if you would. I would. He had some memorable, ca- right. memorable characters here. And we had a couple of internet-breaking moments last night, including uh, Jerome Capp's Eminem impersonation during the Rookie Show, Part 2. This is the second time the Jets have been on, correct? Yes, 2010 was the first time. The last time they were there, they went to the AFC Championship game, so... If you go to the AFC Championship game again, would you be happy? Yes, I would. Or would you rather them win it all? I would rather them win it all, but if they get I mean, the playoffs in 13 years, I'd take the AFC Championship game. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. All right, so that's it for us here on the podcast. I'll be back next week for part three of Ahsoka. But until then, may the force be with you.